and hello sports fans of the Rio Grande Valley and welcome to another edition of the South Texas Border Sports Podcast. I am your host, Ray Silva. Don't forget, fans, you can find our podcast live every Monday on anchor.fm forward slash STBS. You can also find our podcast available through Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple iTunes. Folks, just a quick announcement. Coming up in the next couple of weeks, we will be going over the 20th anniversary of Edinburgh Baseball Stadium, and we will have special guests that have never been on this podcast before to share their stories and recollections on the 20 years of Edinburgh Baseball Stadium, but we will have more on that on next week's episode. Coming back to this week's episode, I want to welcome back Luis Rubio of Baquero Radio. He's been on before, and we're going to be talking this week about UTRGV athletics and some of the latest happenings. Luis, welcome back. How are you? Thank you, Ray. Thank you, Ray. You know, not to kind of go ahead into next week's podcast, which I will be listening. It sounds very interesting, but <laughs> I think this is my third or fourth time on the podcast. So thank you once again for having me, Ray. Uh, no problem, Luis. It's always a privilege and an honor to have you on. Luis, let's get this going. UTRGV women's soccer just wrapped up their season and not in the most uh, most fashionable way, but hey, you got to give credit to Coach Glad Rogario and the women's soccer program. They've done things so well, so correctly. I just wish their their run could continue for Emily Zapata, who's just been a magnificent player for them ever since she arrived to the UTRGV campus. Yeah, and honestly, it's it's probably one of the more underrated athletic programs, I feel like, among the student body at UTRGV because the women's soccer team is – completed their fifth straight winning campaign, the third uh, season in double digit wins. Um, but like you said, Ray, it's, it's unfortunate that they got bounced in the quarterfinals of the WAC tournament, you know, against New Mexico state, but you know, they had a kind of a rough road coming into it because they, they made the trip from Edinburgh all the way to St. George, Utah to play Dixie state, came back to Edinburgh, went to Chicago to play Chicago state, came back to Edinburgh, and then flew out to Phoenix for the tournament all within about a 10 day span. So imagine all that travel. Um, but you know, the result is the result. It's unfortunate. I wish the team would have gone farther. Uh, but needless to say, it's, it's an outstanding program that head coach Glad Bugario has built and all the players that he's been able to bring in, you know, like you mentioned Zapata. And on top of that, like, you know, this year we had Mary Lee Lulema the Estonian national player. She's really talented as well. So it's, it's a strong program. It is a strong program. For me, I guess one of the more underrated talents of that team is for me, it's Anna Torslav and Anna Barty. You know, they, they both can play wide. They can play uh, centrally, but Annie, Anna Barty really, really flourished playing on the outside this season and and for me, I I think she she becomes one of the more unsung heroes of this team 
besides Torzlov. Torzlov is just one of those players that can uh, wreck havoc, whether she's playing on the left inside or on the right inside or even on the flanks. She can be very the dynamic in, in either position, and that's and I think that Coach Glad has kind of the right ingredients for the fall season to kind of make that deep run and hopefully just at least hopefully reach a championship round. Yeah, we're knocking on the door every year. I mean, this program is consistently good in the WAC, but it's just been those unfortunate results once we get to the tournament, of course, right? Um, but like you said, right, there's so many talented players on this team. Like you highlighted Torslov, who was really good. Barky, who, you know, kind of had a slow start to the season, but the last couple of weeks or the last couple of match days, she was spectacular out on the pitch. But I feel like one of the most underrated parts of this team, if not the most underrated part of this team, is the back line. And specifically, Sydney Hammond. She's a freshman from Nashville, Tennessee, but she, like, she always jumped out to me when I watched her play because nothing got past her, nothing. And she was just aggressive all the time. She wasn't afraid. It, and for being a freshman in head coach Glad Bugaru's system and picking it up so well and playing spectacularly, you know, I think Sydney Hammond is probably one of the most underrated and talented players on this team. But, you know, the whole team is talented. It's just, you know, what head coach Glad Bugario wants to play out there, right? Exactly. And, and and that's just one of the things that I've always enjoyed about Coach Glad's system, about uh, the way he, he he sets up his his play style. I mean, it, one can determine to say that it's, it's very easy for him to park the bus because yet they can only rely on that one – one strike a role or sometimes even play as a two strike role as it normally would happen with Lilima and Zapata. But I mean, it, the, the future just really looks bright for coach Glad. I, I just hope that in the fall season that they can mesh together, put, put a, put a challenging uh, non-conference schedule like the way they had it this year. It was, it was challenging in the fact where, they had to go play in the freezing cold in San Antonio. They had to go out and play two different venues against New Mexico State and having to play Chicago State on the road on the last day where they've needed like a result to not only to get in, but put themselves in a better position to move on in the WAC tournament. Yeah, and... and- and on that note, Ray, you know, head coach Glad Bugariu mentioned this in the last press conference of the season after that 3-0 loss against New Mexico State. But he mentioned, you know, th- this team is only really going to lose Gina Steiner. Um, currently that we know of, of course, we don't know who's transferring, who's coming in, all that stuff, right? But as it's set right now, Gina Steiner is the only player that will be leaving the squad due to graduation. So congratulations to her, of course. Um, but think about this. The team is very, very young. A lot of underclassmen, freshmen, sophomore that got this whole season of play um, and were able to pick up Coach Glad Bugariu's system pretty well. Um, but now they're just going to carry that momentum over into the fall and they're still going to keep that year of eligibility granted by the NCAA. 
So although this season, you know, like I said, fifth straight winning campaign, 11 wins on the year, um, you know, unfortunately get bounced in the first round, but it's a great experience for all these players getting all those minutes and, you know, they're still going to maintain that year of eligibility. So the, the future is really bright for this women's soccer program. All right. Now that you talk about the future being bright and the standard being as high as it is, we'll transition over to the men's soccer team now, which, uh, you, you know, I, I just kind of felt like the last four games were a bit were a bit of an injustice due to the way that they were playing up to the buildup of the WAC tournament. Uh, they, they kind of face a similar situation, kind of like the women's team where if they're going to lose someone, they're going to lose a heavy leader, and that heavy leader being William Akio, who for me, if he ever decides to make that transition to uh, USL League One or USL Championship, I think he has a pretty good future. But this is just more about the men's soccer program and the work that Brahim Hancock has done in his first year. I just wanted to get your overall thoughts on that. Yeah, I, I think, you know, head coach Brahim Hancock, uh, you know, I think the first hire of athletic director Chase Conk here at UTRGV, which was a spectacular hire because we finished as the number two seed in the conference um, unfortunately, we got bounced in the semis by the eventual winners, number number six Air Force, which is the first time a, a six seed wins the conference tournament. So, and which you properly called it correct in a post game presser in the off air comments. And, and I, I, I wish we could have had some uh, footage of that. I mean, the video is probably somewhere there, but like the only reason I I said Air Force was going to be Grand Canyon University in the final is just because it, it's hard to go undefeated in a year, especially, you know, with everything that GCU is going through this year, you know, nothing bad, of course, everything positive, you know, Shellis Heinemann's, you know, last season, everything from that, the team being, you know, ranked, it's just hard to go undefeated. So I was like, you know, I think this could have been the time for an upset um, and Air Force, delivered one hell of an upset and a spectacular goal on top of that. So that, that was kind of my reasoning for, for that pick, but, um, but going back to, to coach Hancock, I think he did a spectacular job, uh, but you know, the players also did a outstanding job. Like he said, like, like coach Hancock said in that final press conference, he got hired late in the process and he kind of just stepped in, but the guys on the team, were already you know preparing themselves they were they were staying in shape they, they did what they needed to do they they had that workers mentality um and i think that helped tremendously in this season and that only shows to the culture that is within this utrgb men's soccer program that you know hopefully is going to carry on to these next couple of seasons as you know same with the women's team this men's team also has a lot of underclassmen and like you said they're at the moment are currently set to lose only William Akeel. It's a big piece. It's a big piece, but UTRGB has a lot of depth in that forward position as well to, to kind of lessen the loss of Akeel. For me, I'm going to take it back a little further. 
I'll never forget 2019. It was the last day of regular season play. All UTRGV had to do was just beat Incarnate Word on the road. Instead, what happened that night was a very ugly 2-0 loss. I think that stunned a little bit longer than what it needed to. I think this long break may have helped the team heal, lick its wounds, and prepare themselves even harder for what they had forthcoming. Obviously, you had the departure of Coach Lease. You bring in Brahim Hancock, who didn't have any contact with the team or physical contact with the team until late, until early January. That, to me, kind of spoke about the individual players that had a lot of uh, cohesiveness. And you also got to thank a huge part into assistant coach Archie Masson. Archie Masson kind of held together that group after Coach Lee's departure and also the loss of Coach uh, Lee Williams would also happen. So they had to bring in a, another assistant coach and Coach uh, Ryan McDougal. So talk about taking two adverse, three adverse hits, okay? And now to kind of like put something together, be picked eighth in the WAC standings, it was just something that had to kind of be like a perfect storm, have the team rally behind each other to kind of put together a season and be a very competitive team. Yes, that the early wins surprised me. Absolutely, because of the early standings and predictions that all of the coaches had from the WAC to kind of like predict everyone. And that was just one of my pet peeves, not being able to vote on neither uh, men's or women's soccer polls. I don't know why they did that, but let that be the past. But coming back, I mean, Coach Coach Arch, Archie Masson should get a lot more credit than what he deserves for kind of holding the ship together it, during a turbulent time where, you, you know, a lot of these players could have decided to transfer. He could have left. But I, I, you just got to give a lot of credit to Coach Archie Madison during during that time before Hancock, uh, Coach Hancock was hired. I don't know if you can agree with that assessment. Yeah, I mean, personally, I, I haven't talked to Coach Madison. Uh, I, I don't even think I've I've introduced myself to Coach Madison, uh, but I do know he used to play for UTRGV, and I think that you know brings a lot to the table when you kind of hire in-house because you're able to establish that culture, that leadership over a long period of time. And especially, you know, like you said, the departure of Coach Lease 
and that whole transition to coach Hancock, you know, you needed that leadership, you needed that culture and, you know, coach Madsen did an excellent job, but also a testament to the players. You know, I had, you know, I've had, had, I have had, excuse me, a couple of these guys for, for classes um, and, and they're exactly the same way you see them on the pitch. That's the same way they're, they are in the classroom. They are no nonsense. We're going to get this done. We're going to have fun, but we're going to get this done. Like Trevor Schneider, he's no nonsense. You know, let's do the work. Then we can smile afterwards. William McKeel, the same way. So not only a testament to coach Manson and everything that he's done and, you know, you know, my hat off to him for, you know, kind of holding everything you know, not to say that it was on the verge of breaking down, right? But, you know, holding everyone together, holding everyone accountable, keeping the everyone involved and motivated and encouraged during this time, but also a huge credit to the players for also, you know, riding the ship and, you know, they were able to, you know, taste the success of the regular season and then, you know, just came up a little bit short in the conference tournament, which I truly do feel for this team. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's just one of those things where, you know, now that they've put themselves a little bit of a bullseye on them with all this work that they've done, I just, I just want to see the, a continuation of the work that was done during the spring semester be added again to the fall, you know, bring the same tempo, the same intensity, because now it's going to change a little bit. Now you're going to have a little bit more of a off season and hopefully some non-conference games, something that the men didn't have this, uh, this past season. And, and I just hope that coach Hancock gets to, I guess, install whatever else is needed to kind of have that full season and to kind of see that, that coach Hancock effect, on the men's soccer team. Yeah, and, and to your point, Ray, you know, you want to see them do the same thing. And I'm confident they'll do the same thing because although they're losing William McKeel, like I said, they're still going to have Trevor Schneider in goal. You know, Elias Jojai is a, you know, he was the captain all season for UTRGV. You know, Jan Angles is a very intense dude, which I love, you know, because he, he you know, he leaves everything out there on the pitch and, and it's just amazing to watch. So, I'm pretty sure, you know, moving from the end of this season to the start of next season, the team will keep the same intensity and, you know, Coach Hancock will have a little bit more time with his players. And, you know, this is, you know, you were talking earlier about that 2019 season and coming into that 2019 season, UTRGB had a lot of, a lot of expectations because Kyle Edwards was named preseason offensive player of the year, you know, so that kind of put a target on, you know, the university's pro, uh, like on the university kind of like, oh, this is the team, you know. Um, unfortunately, that year, on top of the unfortunate loss at the end of the season to Incarnate Word, you know, the team battled through a lot of injuries. But, you know, this year, hopefully, you know, the team maintains the same intensity, which I'm confident they will. And on top of that, head coach Hancock is going to have all this time to do whatever he needs to do to help UTRGB take the next step in its success. Absolutely. And you talk about the next step of – success and now we bring along our next topic of the new head men's basketball coach Matt figure you know one of the things that stood out to me 
I, in the press conference when I asked him in the uh, Q&A availability for Matt Figger was that Texas is perhaps one of the only states in the United States to uh, have a Texas basketball classroom type of thing. And one of the things that really does surprise me when he mentioned that was uh, here in the state of Texas, when it comes to playing, I guess, organized basketball, I guess you're looking at the UIL level. Uh, there is no shot clock instituted. And it's really a brain scratcher when I want to say 30 plus states in the United States have a shot clock instituted at least at the high school level, if not more. I'm kind of surprised that Texas hasn't joined that that revolution of adding a shot clock. Yes, it's one of those things where you're going to have to add some manpower, someone to know the rules of operating a shot clock, because I've had to do it before in G League games. But it's just quite surprising that that was brought up as one of his sticking points of the Q&A that I had. But I, I think his hire is going to continue to grow on me. He's already had a verbal commits, uh, already uh, committed to UTRGV, and I'm just kind of excited to see what he brings onto the table. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a transition period just because, you know, Coach Hill, at least for me, it was, you know, a mountain of a figure. He was larger than life to me, and, and you know, I really genuinely looked up to him. Um, so it's definitely going to be a transition period, but like you said, Ray, that introductory press conference or, you know, when he was introduced and, you know, the general Q and a, uh, I was there as well. And I got really good feelings from coach, uh, figure. He seems like a no nonsense type of dude, uh, or excuse me, no nonsense type of sir. Um, and it's really good. And, you know, Chase Conk, the athletic director in a podcast, uh, I forgot the name of the podcast. He talked about Coach Figure, and he says Coach Figure is a no-nonsense type of guy and lives, breathes, eats, and sleeps basketball, which is what this program needs. Uh, although we've taken a lot of monumental steps over the last couple of years under Coach Hill, uh, you know, there's still a lot of work to be done, and Coach Figure seems like the guy to do it and the guy the, pro the university has entrusted to do that. And, you know, just from that introductory press conference, I have – full confidence in coach figure, but speaking to the shot clock thing, you know, when I played high school basketball, it was kind of one of those things where it's like, yeah, like, why don't we have a shot clock here? Um, because of course you have teams that, you know, just play zone and just kind of spread it out and just pass the ball around when they have a lead and, and it just becomes boring, but that's kind of a larger topic or discussion for another day. Um, you know, because there's also those, those talks of like, you know, maybe we should, have you know shot clock at every level we should have the FIBA uh three-point line at every level except you know the NBA um there's a lot of these discussions and I think they're interesting but there's a lot of that goes behind those decisions as well but going back to coach figure uh I'm really excited what you know the next step that this program is going to take you know it's it has a strong foundation 
but let's see what Coach Figure does, and you know, hopefully, we get a couple more commits that come in. And you know, I'm just excited overall. I'm just genuinely excited, um, even though I still dearly, dearly uh, miss uh, Coach Hill. It, it's uh, he was the first coach that I interviewed as a as a student reporter. I remember the the <laughs> the night before I couldn't go to sleep at all because I was so nervous because at at the time I wasn't, I wasn't even a reporter at the time. I was just a student that wanted to interview Coach Hill for, for, uh, for a radio show. And, you know, talking to Jonah Goldberg, uh, you know, who was able, who graciously was able to put me in touch and, and, you know, allow me to do this interview with Coach Hill. Um, I was so nervous the night before because he was the the head men's basketball coach of a division one program. Uh, gonna take time 15 minutes to talk to a random student he had never met before and it was it the conversation was supposed to be 15 minutes and it turned into an hour-long conversation and um, you know I it was just one of the the greatest memories of of my life Um, and that kind of just sparked this whole run that you've been able to see over the last couple of years Ray where it kind of went from my volunteer DJ to a reporter to a sportscaster to you know all the stuff that we're doing now so uh, awful you know I know the original question was coach figure but um, I you know I you know unfortunately now I won't ever be able to thank uh, coach Hill um, but he's uh, he's been he's affected my life as much as he's affected you know the athletics department this university the student athletes um, that he's coached uh, you know, I, I thank him infinitely. You know, also another thing that stood out uh, to, to me about Coach Figure was him actually coming back to Texas clo- uh, close to over two decades now. Uh, it's just one of those things that um, I just hope that he, whatever recruiting ties that he had, then he can uh, – continue using them and now that he's had uh ties a little bit further east in texas i hope he can he can use those as well uh, to attract uh, some more na- name players and hopefully bring in a three or four star recruit whatever they may be uh, to bring them down here in the valley um and and bring on a a new I, I wouldn't want to say a new label of basketball because it, because it's not, but just kind of like continue that tradition and kind of like continue building on what was left behind from Coach Hill. You know, uh, Coach Hill, you know, was able to add, excuse me, a couple of more um, banners up at the field house. And I just hope that he is able to re- recruit some. Uh, some great talent here here in the state of Texas and also abroad to kind of like to take that men's basketball program to that next level. And now we've, uh, now we can uh, transition on uh, talking about the next level. I guess he's next. I I just quickly want to interrupt you. Go ahead. In that that introductory press conference, he, you know, like you said, he's been out of Texas for two decades, gained a lot of experience, which is always a positive. Um, but, you know, he said he's excited to be back in Texas and recruiting in Texas. He believes Texas is a hot spot for basketball. 
you know, like in major areas such as San Antonio, Houston, Dallas, Fort Worth, El Paso, um, you know, Lubbock, all these other places. So I'm excited the type of recruits he's going to bring in. And, you know, he really likes Texas. And UTRGV is, you know, I always made this joke to, to my friends. Uh, we're, the, we're the Gonzaga of the South. Uh, Gonzaga, very nice campus, nice, beautiful campus, small, you know, university in size, uh, but we have a lot to offer. And on top of, like, I know that you're giving me a face, Ray. You're giving me a face. We're not at the Gonzaga level yet where we're going to reach national champion. I'm there. But I'm saying a small school with a strong, devoted fan base. And on top of that, like, we have great weather. Like, you know, for me, it's like the weather factor should be like, if I were, you know, and I guess this is why I'm not a recruiting coordinator at a division one university, but that's how I would convince student athletes to come here. I'd be like, you're going to be in sunshine 360 days out of the year, beautiful campus. The beach is two miles away, like two hours away, excuse me. Like, but I'm, I'm pretty sure coach figure is going to be able to bring high level recruits down here and not only from his ties in Texas and his eagerness to be back in Texas, but on top of that, you know, UTRGV has gained more name recognition over the last couple of years. Think, you know, thanks to coach Hill. Um, but on top of that, you know, the experience that coach figure has and what he's been able to do, you know, at Austin P as well as South Carolina under uh, Frank Martin. Yeah. You know, one of the things that, uh, I, uh, to put a bow tie on, on coach figure, you know, I really, really do hope that, it, you know, the expectations aren't really going to be that high with coach figure because right now everything is going to be a continual uh, transition. It's going to be a flowing transition right now. So I may not have the highest of expectations because you've got four new schools coming in and you've also got a, a lot of new players coming in. So there's going to, this team's going to be fully loaded with question marks that I hope that within due time, they get answered appropriately with the proper results. But now we finally want to transition into the final topic of this podcast is the UTRGV baseball program. I know they, have gotten off to a uh, less it hasn't been the best of starts but it certainly hasn't been the worst of starts right now uh they're a game below overall 500 as we record this podcast um it's just you know there's been a lot more questions and answers this season and and i guess it's just Part of it is how the how the NCAA now is trying to model the game with the MLB, which is something college should just stick to its own identity for baseball purposes. You know, once they get to the pro level, okay, you can teach them how to play internationally if you want. But if I'm the NCAA baseball stuff, el eliminate the man on second base for extra innings and get rid of the relief pitcher stuff, having to face three hitters. That's just terrible. Let that learn that in the pros, but here in the NCAA, you're still an amateur. 
learn that way. I get it that you're trying to build professionals for the world that is not other than athletics. I get all that. But right now, let them have their time. Let them have their blast playing their final hurrah of amateur athletics. Go ahead, Luis. Well, I, I feel like personally, me, um, I kind of like the runner starting on second base. I think that's fun. Um, and I think the reliever having to face three batters uh, definitely speeds up the game, and but definitely makes it weird for managers or coaches um, to kind of bring in someone, especially if they're in a tight spot. Um, but personally, I kind of like the changes. I think they're fun. They're interesting. They add another wrinkle. Yes, it's tough on not only UTRGV, but other programs around the country that are having to adjust to the situation. But I view it kind of like this way, you know, right now you are, you, you want shot clocks in high school basketball games, but they're still amateurs, Ray. They're not professionals. They're not professionals, Ray, you know? So, um, so I get where you're coming from, you know, but personally me, I, I, I like the runner on second base. I know coach, uh, I know coaches might not. I know managers in the MLB might not. But I think it's exciting. I think it's fun. Uh, it adds another level of drama where it's like, okay, you can't even allow a single or a, or a, or a hit because the guy is going to be standing at third base or he's going to come in to score, you know, and you don't even know what happened in the blink of an eye, right? So uh, I get where you're coming from, Ray, but I, you know, I'm going I'm to agree to disagree with you. For, for just this this topic well uh, just focusing on the on the season for UTRGV you know you know coming in as the favorites you know they should be better off but then you're also having to come off from such a long layoff where only a handful of players only played uh travelable okay which is quite interesting to just see a handful of guys uh, get the playing time that they've missed out on uh, and trying to put themselves together uh, now for a spring season, uh, which they had no fall workouts, no nothing until the schedule was released. And, you know, I kind of feel where, that's where UTRGV is kind of a little bit behind the eight ball when it comes to these results, you know, now, I, I kind of feel like that 500 record is very misleading. It's very misleading, but at the end, Bill Parcells once said it best, your record says what your record says you are. And right now, I UTRGV is going to have to start coming up with a lot of series wins and definitely at home and perhaps just steal one of the two road series you've got left. Granted, they're not easy places to play. It. And, I'll lead, and I'll lead it off with the New Mexico State one first. That ball you hit. You you hit a simple pop fly to left field, that thing can elevate like course field. In Sacramento, 
it's a little bit different. You don't got the you you may have some elevation to it, but man, it, it's kind of a setup where the wind just brings it down severely. You know, you kind of have to like hit those balls solidly on a screw to put yourself in a good scoring position. But right now, at, at this point, they're sitting fourth in the wax standings. How do you just see these things playing themselves out right now? Granted, they have two more non-conference games, the one tomorrow night and then at TCU, and then you've got a lot of conference games left. Two series on the road, three at home. Well, to your point, Ray, I, I think the 8-8 eight and eight record is misleading as well because I think this team is better than 8-8. Eight and eight. Um, And, of course, some of these have happened, unfortunate incidents with, with errors and, and just, you know, a couple of mistakes here and there, right? Uh, but defense isn't something this team should, you know, of course, the standings show that the team should be worried about defense. But, you know, as head coach Matlock says all the time to us in these press conferences – is that this team in practice is, you know, spectacular on defense. They make some excellent plays. And, you know, when it comes game time, something happens. Um, so, you know, like you said, the eight and eight record is a little bit misleading, but only because I think from everything that we know from this program, everything from what head coach Matlock tells us about this program, you know, they should be a lot better. And plus they had a tremendous start to the season, but once they started hitting all these, series you know starting you know back against if I remember correctly it was GCU so they went to GCU then Texas on a one-day turnaround and then they faced Dixie State on the road so they had to go to Arizona to Austin to Utah and then back to Dallas against uh, Dallas Baptist which is a really really good program and then back here for California Baptist, that's a lot of games. That's a lot of series and against really high level opponents. Um, so I think the team is better than eight and eight, but I think it's more of, they're just a little bit tired right now. And hopefully this, this, you know, they didn't play any games this week. They're only going to have, you know, Corpus uh, tomorrow or Tuesday uh, April 20th, and then they'll have Seattle U here at home, so they won't have to travel uh, for a four-game series. I think this team just needs a little bit of a break. It needs, you know, a couple guys to get healthy again, and I promise you, Ray, I think they're going to be better uh, the remaining half of the season, and you're right. You're right. It's a tough spot to be in uh, when you're going to have to, you know, win a lot of series, especially on the road, and you're facing a lot of good opponents, such as Sacramento State and New Mexico State on the road, but I am confident this team has the ability to do that because they've done it before. Uh, they just need to get healthy right now. And, you know, I think they'll be fine. You know, for me, I kind of think that if this is going to be a turning point in the season, this has to be it. And they kind of have to like put that stamp of authority on it. And you kind of saw, uh, I, was able to glimpse a couple of the Seattle U versus Sacramento State. Wow. Seattle U kind of surprised me there a little bit. 
which is uh, the upcoming weekend WAC series versus UTRGV. And then, of course, you got the the rivalry game, which is not exactly a throwaway game, but this is kind of like the game where you just throw your entire bullpen. You don't burn any of your starters. You don't you don't you don't touch your Kevin Palms. You don't touch any starter. You just kind of throw everyone out there who hasn't had uh, innings pitch. You just kind of throw them out there. And I kind of and this may not sound I hope this doesn't sound like an excuse, but this is kind of like a result of not having enough fall ball repetitions that we're kind of seeing the results right now that they're uh, a little bit behind the eight ball. And I, and I just kind of feel like this week has to be that turning point to see if we're pretenders or contenders. And that's kind of the way I, I view this weekend only because you're getting five straight at home, you get five chances. Okay. This is, this has got to be a pivotal series where you got to at least take four out of five or take all five. If you have to, you, I mean, if this team wants to show the promise that it showed like during preseason, this is it. This is it. You got to, you got to take the chances right here. Yeah. And it's something that coach Madlog, you know, harped to both you and me in our last press conference with him is that, you know, this is the time, you know, this is the point of the season where the team is really going to have to win series um, instead of, you know, splitting or losing them. Um, And, you know, head coach Derek Madlock has a lot of, you know, key decisions to make when it comes to rotation uh, pitchers out of the bullpen, uh, kind of some of the defensive lineups that he wants to throw out there. So this, like you said, Ray, this this week is very, very crucial for this program and to see where we're going to end up. But I am, you know, like I said, you know, just a couple minutes ago, I'm, I'm really confident in this team because this team has the talent, you know. And you have Conrado Diaz, Christian Sepulveda, Andy Atwood, you know, Max Balderrama, Kevin Stevens, Jacob Hirsch, Freddie Rojas Jr. When you have all these other players, you know, Coleman Grubbs, Elijah Alexander, I can go on and on and probably name you the whole roster, of course, right? But when you have these, these you know, this talent, um, you know, it's, it's, event- it's going to click. It's going to go. The team is just in a little bit of a funk right now. They're tired. Uh, like, of course, I haven't talked to the team, right? But I would imagine they're tired from playing all these high-level series on the road and all the travel, what that does, you know, like coach Madlock said in the last press conference, this team has a lot of injuries right now, but, you know, hopefully with this last week of rest and having all these games here at home, it gives these players more time to, to rehab and do what they need to do to feel better. And like you said, this Tuesday game is going to be, you know, I think extremely crucial because it's a bullpen game for coach Madlock and, you know, the bullpen, it's kind of been Chase Bridges and, you know, just a couple other players here and there. So this is going to be crucial to for Coach Madlock to see what he has coming out of the bullpen, who he's going to trust. And, you know, we have talent in the bullpen. You know, Zach DeLeon, really good pitcher out of the bullpen. Ricky Garrick Jr. was, you know, our basically our closer last year. And this year it just hasn't been able to find the mark, but he is uber talented as well. So 
I, I'm confident in this team that they're going to, you know, be able to turn it around currently standing at eight and eight. And I think this, you know, last week, not having to play any game games and this week having five games here at home. So that cuts out all the travel. I think it's going to be beneficial. And I expect this team to, you know, be corpus. And I also am confident they'll, you know, win three against Seattle U. Well, folks, this will do it for this edition of the South Texas Border Sports Podcast. Don't forget, folks, if you have any questions, any suggestions, any comments, you can email me at southtexasbordersports at gmail.com or drop an inbox via Instagram or Facebook at South Texas Border Sports or direct message me on Twitter at S-O-T-X-A-T-H-L-I. T-I-X. Luis, if you have any social medias you want to plug, go right ahead, sir. Yeah, thank you, Ray. So basically, I only use Twitter. Uh, that's where I post all my stories that I do surrounding around UTRGB Athletics. And the Twitter handle is radio underscore Rubio. So it's going to be radio underscore R-U-B-I-O. Um, and I pretty much just post the stories that we publish on Vaquero Radio on my Twitter, um, game recaps, uh, game previews, a couple of fun features here and there. Um, and besides that, I, I don't really have much else to plug, except I'm excited for the WNBA season. And don't forget, buy WNBA gear, support the WNBA. It's an amazing league. I love it. Um, underrated league, but it's picking up momentum and you're going to want to jump on, on this shit before, uh, before it's too late and go aces many thanks to luis rubio of vaquero radio for joining us on this episode of the south texas border sports podcast hello sports fans Thanks for listening to another episode of the South Texas Border Sports Podcast. This is your host, Ray Sova. Be tuned next week for another great episode as we drop podcasts every Monday here on anchor.fm forward slash STBS. Don't forget, our podcast can also be found via Google Podcast, Apple iTunes, and Spotify. Thanks for listening. <laughs>